Deborah McAlexander was getting used to a way of life that most of us will never know. You know, oh, we just went by the coffee shop. I smell the coffee and the Danish and everything right. else. Or as we're walking down this hallway, and then where there's an intersecting hallway, you can feel just the, the pressure change, and it yes. just the atmosphere just opens up. Right. And you know where you are. Like right. as you're walking down the hallway, and I can tell there's the water fountain, I can hear it. I would have not paid attention right. to that if I had, was seeing out of two full-functioning eyes. Right. Deborah, a world-class equestrian athlete, was legally blind. We spoke with Deborah on our last episode of Kava when we learned about how she rebuilt her life after that diagnosis. Simple tasks, like going to the grocery store, were things she had to completely relearn. Now, almost 30 years later, we peek into her new life. Deborah could suddenly sense the sounds, smells, and textures of the world around her more sharply than ever. She was navigating her environment in her own way. My hearing was already highly developed. Yes. Very, very sensitive hearing because of the music, but it became more sensitive. So everything, the feel right. of touch, right. smell, taste, right. all of the other senses do kick in. And it's it, true. But even with 2020 vision, she could have never seen this coming. In January, we were up in his office area in our home, and all of a sudden he just slumped over and fell on the floor. Oh. He had a stroke. Oh. And I had a care partner person there with me I yelled to her I said please come here now and I called the neighbor a man right down the street of front uh -huh. to come and he was not moving. Deborah had overcome so much but her hardship was far from over. Today on Kava we navigate the most trying time of Deborah's life. I used to say why again right. why blindness right but now why this? After 15 years by her side, Deborah's husband, Jack, had a stroke. We called 911. They came, got an ambulance to the hospital, airlifted him to Columbia, Missouri in time, because it has to be, if you're right, having a ischemic right. stroke, there's a certain amount of time. They got him to the hospital in eight minutes, and the doctors first said, well, we don't think there was much damage. Jack had entered Deborah's life during one of its darkest seasons. After being diagnosed with a disease that caused blindness, Deborah ran away to California to escape and ran straight into Jack. When I was out in California doing this job at the car dealership, I met Jack, who was selling advertising for the St. Louis, um, excuse me, the Los Angeles Times. Okay. And he, this was part of his automotive territory. So within a few months, we met, we dated, and we got married. This stroke had come out of nowhere. At first, the doctors seemed hopeful. Well, they were wrong. Jack was dealing with two horribly debilitating diseases. The first, Lewy body dementia, is a disease associated with abnormal deposits of a protein called alpha-synuclein in the brain. These deposits, called Lewy bodies, were affecting chemicals in Jack's brain, whose changes in turn led to problems with his thinking movement, behavior, and mood. On top of this, he was also suffering from Parkinson's disease. This disease was a nervous system disorder 
that was damaging his muscles even more, making them stiff and erasing his ability to move over time. This trial was, in Deborah's words, horrifying. The last 15 years of his life was a tremendous, terrifying, and horrifying struggle with Parkinson's disease. Yes. And the last part with the Lewy body dementia was beyond anything I could ever comprehend. Okay. It was horrifying. That's, yeah. Well, we went through it together. Right. We, I stayed the course with him mm. because that's what we do as a Christian. That's our vows, for better or for worse. Right. To death do us part. And I took that vow and I stayed with him. Mm-hmm. Was it easy? No. Right. It was the hardest experience. I, I was married to Jack for 30 years, okay. five months, 24 days and 21 yeah. hours. Okay. He died of Parkinson's disease and Lewy body dementia on November the 6th, 2017. Jack had not only been Deborah's husband, but her best friend. The loss was shattering. Unable to make sense of it, she held on to a friend's words of wisdom. My pastor's wife, we go to Concord Baptist Church in Jefferson City, Missouri, and Betty Schinkel said, Deborah, you will never understand why this has happened. Your job is not to understand why it's happened. It's something that is a part of your life. Mm-hmm. And God allows horrifying and tragic things and adversity to come into our lives to make us stronger, for one thing. Mm-hmm. But also, this is what I've learned. This is what is gives us the opportunity to show what our faith is all about mm-hmm. to the rest of the world. Right. It is not when everything is going hunky-dory yeah. smooth and life is a bowl of cherries and a rainbow. And those times right. happen in life. Right. But to every person, everyone is mm-hmm. confronted with adversity. Right. It's how we deal with it. What do we do? Are we a victim? Or do mm. we find a way to be a victor? Right. And the only way that I know in my life, and that's what in my inspirational speaking that I do, the only way I can know this has been possible in my life is because of my faith in Jesus Christ. I would not have been able to overcome any of these things right. without learning to trust Him, mm. to depend on Him, and to thank Him in all situations. Mm. The good, the bad, and the ugly. The church had been a rock for Deborah and Jack during their struggle with the disease. We would bring him to church, and then we would take him back, or we would take him home for the day, and then we'd take him back to the facility. But I remember he said one time he was looking in the mirror, and he said, I look like a monster. He said, the kids turn away from me. He was just so... um, in turmoil inside. Yeah. He said, this is so devastating. He, he knew at that time what was, that things were right. horribly wrong in his life. He said, the children turn away and look, look away from me. You know, they're afraid of me. Oh. One of the most wonderful things that happened at church, there was a family. Mike and Tina Sapp had two children, Caleb and Kendall. These two children, Caleb was maybe four or five, and Kendall was mm. seven or eight, started coming up to Mr. Jack. Oh. Mr. Jack! Caleb would say, may I shake your hand? Good morning, Mr. Jack. And Caleb would come over and give him a hug. And those two children helped change his life and his perception of himself as he was going through this horrifying tragedy. They became adopted family to Mm. us. Deborah and Jack refused to waste the last few years of Jack's life. From this long, terrible season came some sweet moments 
that Deborah remembers to this day. The other good thing that happened, one thing that I would like to mention, Jack had been married before and had two daughters. He and I never had children. He had lost touch with his children. Kimberly's the daughter and Crystal. He found in the last couple years before he died, he got in touch with Crystal, the younger one, through Facebook. Oh, (laughs) And Crystal was married and she was pregnant at the time. We were able to make the trip out to Half Moon Bay, California to meet Crystal and her husband, Michael. Everybody at church was going, oh, I don't think Deborah should do this. With This could be horrible, you know, because right. you never know. never know. Yes. Well, God blessed us again. We Aww. got out there. We got back. No problems with him. He was able to reconnect with his daughter. That's he was sweet. able to walk on the beach with her. I rode horses on the beach with Michael, <laughs> who was not a horse rider at all. Oh, wow. But just, it was so good to get reconnected mm. with Crystal and Michael. The baby was born a few months later. Uh-huh. And after he was born, that next summer, I needed to call and say, please, you all need to come and be with your dad again. Because the doctors say he is facing his last days here. Uh-huh. His other daughter, Kimberly, who also we had not seen for many, many years, wanted to come. How sweet. It was the most fabulous reconnection mm. for Jack to be with his two daughters, to hold his grandson, and yes. to meet his um, son-in-law. It was just a magnificent experience. That's sweet. And I am so thankful for mm-hmm. that, and for the girls, too, that they got to come and, and be with their dad and make peace in their relationship with them. Yes. And just to have been together. Yes. So there was another gift from God. That last memory unit in the facility... Amazing things. I would have some of the young CNA girls come up to me and the nurses. We've been watching you. We know you and Jack are madly in love, even though he's going through this horrifying death process. But we see, we see a faith in you. We Mm. see a belief in Jesus that we weren't really aware of, of how powerful and how that can change lives and how that's helping both of you walk through Mm. this horrible tragedy. Wow. And right there, if for no other reason, perhaps that's why God allowed us to go through that journey together. Mm. So one beautiful last moment that I do like to share. He was in a coma, and the nurses had called and said, please come and be here with him. This was on a Saturday, and I did. That night, all of a sudden, he woke up. He turned and looked at me, and he said, hi. Oh, wow. And I said, I looked at him, eyes were open, and I, because a lot of time, even when he was being able to talk at the end, you couldn't understand him at the time. He would be berserk. That's what Louis body dementia does. You never know. It was such an extreme, extreme, Mm. bizarre effects on the human body and mind and mental state. So I said, what's my name? And he said, Deborah, I love you. Whoa. Clear as a bell. What a gift. What a gift. And he closed his eyes, and I was holding his hand. And it wasn't long after that that he stepped into heaven, and I was right there with him. Wow. And I felt like I'm on holy ground. Yeah. And I'm here with him, and I know where he is going. I know where he is right now. Wow. But for him, for God to have allowed him to give me that last yes. back that I shall always remember. Yeah. Deborah had learned how to live without her eyesight. But learning how to live without Jack was another matter. Um, After his death, I decided, well, now what do I do? She decided once more 
to give back to others. Some awesome things that have come into my life. Concord Baptist Church had an eyeglass ministry. Mm-hmm. Mary Mary had this for 10 years. And he would take teams of people to Mexico. Mm-hmm. He had two headquarters in Mexico with 8,000 pairs of eyeglasses, all cataloged, all um, in boxes, it, a whole facility for this in two different parts of Mexico. And he would take teams of people. They would establish an eyeglass ministry clinic, which mm-hmm. would last maybe three days. There would usually be between 900 and 1,200, 1,300 people that would come uh-huh. to receive at no cost eyeglasses, hopefully, to help them see. Right. Sometimes it was a medical mission trip, meaning there might be a gynecologist, a dentist, a psychologist, right. a medical doctor also. So it just depended on where they were at and how Larry was able to organize that. Right. I had always wanted to go on that for the purpose of taking white canes and working with yes. the people who were blind. Yes. Who the eyeglasses couldn't help. So now it was like, okay, I can do this. Yes. So... I was able to go last year on three different mission trips to Mexico with the team. Another wow. thing that was that happened was before I went, I thought, hmm, okay, I'm going to be walking around in Mexico, white cane, long blonde hair. I could be a target. Right, right. <laughs> predators. I thought, I have no self-defense skills. Oh, right. I talked to one of the friends at church, actually the lady who drives me on Sunday mornings, she uh-huh. and my husband. He was my deacon for a while. Uh-huh. And he'd been in the military. He said, you know what? Contact the Cole County Sheriff's Department. I believe they have some kind of a self-defense course. Okay. Well, they did. Rape Aggression Defense Systems. It is the largest women's self-defense system in the United States and Canada. Okay. So I went to a class in January. I went to the next one in March, I believe it was, and then one in May. Went to three of them. Uh-huh. And I decided through that experience, I wanted to become a certified instructor for several reasons. Uh-huh. I was sent by the Sheriff's Department to St. Louis, Missouri for the week of training, Uh and I became a certified basic self-defense instructor. So through that last year of Jack's life, I taught two, three classes actually through the Sheriff's Department in Jefferson City, Missouri. Those classes are offered no charge to women, to Mm. girls over the age of 13. So anybody who's listening to this, I would suggest wherever you live, find out through the police department or the sheriff's department if rape aggression defense system classes are offered. That's awesome. Every woman and every young girl should go to this class. It's, you know, the the times and the, um, the hours vary. Right. It's one of the most important classes anyone can ever take. It teaches women and girls to become aware of themselves. Mm -hmm. Of course, it teaches you basics and self-defense skills and techniques. But it also teaches us to not put ourselves in a situation where we can be victimized. Right. And the whole purpose of this training is not to ever go fisticuffs with a man. Right. I'm sorry, we're not going to win. Right. But it's to teach us techniques where we can stun and we can escape. One afternoon, Deborah was on a trail ride with a friend when her life took a surprising turn. I was on a trail ride in Missouri with my dear friend Phyllis Haymeyer and the horse Lacey that she had given me to ride. Uh-huh. We were with a bunch of ladies mostly riding. There was a lady there who was a professional guide from Eminence, Missouri. Mm-hmm. And she said to me, she said, well, Deborah, have you ever thought about Paralympic competition? And I said, Paralympic? Wow. I don't even know what is what? Right. I had never even heard of Paralympics. Wow. After that weekend, so, so today's August the 12th, right. so I'm talking a year ago, 
I did research last fall, and I found out that in the Paralympic Games, uh-huh. the equestrian discipline is dressage. Okay. So I started investigating, well, where should I go to learn this? Uh-huh. And I thought, how hard can this be? I mean, I've showed horses. I right. walk, trot, and canter. I mean, I can learn right. movements. I can learn some pattern work. And we're in a 20 by 60 rectangle, white-fenced arena area. Easy peasy. <laughs> Boy, was I wrong. <laughs> uh, the long story short, on March the 11th, I came to Wiley, Texas, mm-hmm. after having talked with Lorene Johnson, who is the United States Director of Para-Equestrian um, Activities. Okay. And I said to her, I need a place to go. Where can I go to find the best trainer? And she said, Wiley, Texas, at North Texas Equestrian Center. Kai Hunt has been the most successful coach in getting athletes to the Paralympics at the World Equestrian Game level. Okay. So I came here. Wow. Right off the bat, Kai let me know in no uncertain terms, because I was beginning with dressage, Right. that this was a great undertaking. My goal is, and it still remains the same, is to, at some point... Be meet the requirements to be eligible for the United States para dressage team wow. and compete internationally in Paralympic Games and World Equestrian Games. Wow! And he let me know right off the bat because I am in grade five. There are five grades. Grade mm-hmm. one is for athletes with the most severe disabilities. Grade okay. five, if you have blindness, um, some vision, but it's within the criteria of the International Blind Sports Association, then you are in grade five. Okay. If you have no eyesight at all, you're in grade four. Okay. He let me know right off the bat that grade five, I would be facing competitors who had ridden dressage um, riding for many, many years. Right. Were advanced at what they were doing, and then maybe through an accident or whatever, became a para-athlete and were in grade five. At this point, nothing could phase Deborah. She took this new challenge head on. I went to Gloucester, England, all by myself, mind you. Wow! Yes, I traveled there. I had an evaluation on July 2nd of Uh this year, and I am the first visually impaired United States writer to receive confirmed international classification from the International Blind Sports Federation. Wow, congratulations. So yes, thank you. Yay. I'm proud of that. I don't want to be the only one. I know there will be others that will come along, uh-huh. but I am the first to wow. have done this. That's so awesome. That's a big deal. Yes. That is a big deal. That is a big deal. <laughs> it is a big deal. And that process is done. It was lengthy. It was a little bit confusing at times. Uh-huh. I was a little scary to travel all the way over there by myself, but... I had amazing help every wow. step of the way. I learned just ask for help. You know, wow. people are there willing to help. Sometimes I get some interesting comments, though. I tend to confuse people. Uh-huh. Oftentimes when people look at me or see me moving, if they don't see my white cane, they don't think I have no. anything wrong with me. Right. I wouldn't So here's think a that. funny story. So I get off the airplane, and I'm standing by the little podium there, uh-huh. and the, one of the airline personnel persons there and I said I need to know please what gate I'm at so I can call the person coming to get me to Mm -hmm. to come here she said well what's wrong with you she says it's right up there on the board can't you see that and I I (laughs) immediately I raised up my white cane one part in both hands said ma'am I have severe blindness disability no I cannot see that and she looked at me and her mouth dropped and she said oh 
She said, but you're so beautiful. <laughs> and I said, well, what does beauty have to do with blindness? Right. So I, I um, yeah, I get a lot of strange comments. Yeah. The other time a person said to me, it was a gentleman, and he pointed to my white cane and he said, is that thing real? Because you don't look like you're blind. Deborah was no longer teaching just music. She had all kinds of opportunities to teach the world around her about blindness. I guess I am a little bit overwhelmed by the fact of realizing that there are so many people that don't know what a white cane means. Right. But how could they? Maybe they've never been around someone with yeah. blindness. I hadn't been until I met me. Right. right. <laughs> That's what I realized this weekend. Because there were several people that came up at the show. Because I always carry my cane around with me and uh-huh. I wear a vest that says blind rider. Right. So in the warm-up arena, I'm allowed to do that. And that's, I'll tell you a story about that too. But um, I was just amazed how many people came up. What is that? One person asked me, is that a polo stick? Do you play polo? <laughs> oh my goodness. How no, funny. No, I don't. But let me explain. Let me explain to you. So isn't it a great thing? Because part of what I want to do through my paradvisage journey, yes, I want to qualify at some point to be on the United States team. I will never give up that goal. Right. I will keep at this till I get there. Because wow. that's my personal goal. Uh-huh. And I've learned you don't quit and you don't back down. But right. there's another whole part to this journey. It is to help demystify yes. the stereotypes and the stigmas surrounding blindness, disability, but disability in general. Right. To help let the world know, not just America, but the world know, right. people with disabilities are amazing individuals. Absolutely. Noir and I have won. Wow. And I feel even when we don't come in first place, I believe this victory is not about the color of the ribbon, the mm-hmm. medal, or the position one reaches in life. Mm. Victory is about the adversity, mm. obstacles, and failures overcome while trying to achieve the victory. See, Deborah had learned how to overcome just about anything by now. Life had taught her those lessons long ago. I learned so much from the horses. I learned about me. I learned about um, how to cope with unexpected things. Because once you get on that horse, you never know what can happen. And it's learning to react and recover Mm -hmm. and make a wise decision. Right. And stay calm, cool, and collected if you can throughout it all. And I remember the last thing. My mama lived to be 99 years old, the woman who adopted me. And the last words I remember her saying were, I'm just depending on the Lord. I'm just depending on the Lord. Wow. That's what I've learned. Right. And so when I was at the horse show this weekend, I've learned to be alone, but I'm not alone. Right. Because my faith and my Lord is always with me. Wow. But I'm walking through life. My partner right now, I've got a great part. He's handsome. He's a horse, and his name's Bernard. <laughs> Who needs a man? No. <laughs> no, really. Right. I said because I've got this awesome horse, but I'm learning to be. It's okay to be okay and walk through life alone mm. if that's what God has planned for me now. Mm-hmm. And I see so often through the through the process of grieving after Jack died, what I learned from my hospice counseling was there is no ranking of grief. Right. There is no ranking of adversity. There right. is no ranking of anything because right. what is. Horrifying to me might not be to someone else. Right. The most horrifying thing to a woman might be the fact that her um, beautiful fingernail broke. Right. For her, that's a bad thing for that day because she was going to this elegant party. Right. But for her, right at that moment, that was something very difficult for her to deal with. Okay? For me, 
It would be something totally else, totally, totally, right. totally different. So there's no ranking. Yeah. There's no ranking of grief, of adversity, or whatever. Right. It's how we deal with it and how we get through it. And the friends along the way that we can encourage. Mm. Deborah has invited others to join her on her journey from day one. Her organization, Vision Beyond Eyesight, exists for those who want to support Deborah as she competes in paradressage. I have established a 501c3, it's called Vision Beyond Eyesight, to help raise funds for my paradressage journey. Yes. Because this is a very costly endeavor. Yes. I have a PayPal and a GoFundMe. Okay, good. But even more important than that, and I think you mentioned maybe uh, you had said you might ask me a question about what would I tell a 15-year-old? Yes. What would you tell your 15-year-old self okay. about well, all of this? <laughs> what I would say, and this is what I said to myself over and over when I was at this horse show, uh-huh. preparing mentally right. for this ride. This is what I said, and it comes from Scripture. Uh-huh. Faith is being sure of what is hoped for and certain of what is not seen. Mm. All things are possible when one rides by faith, mm-hmm. not by sight. Yes. And the third element is, I can do all things through Christ Jesus, through Christ who gives me strength. Yes. That's what I said over and over and wow. over and over. Wow. And I love that last part because it's not, I can do all things through Christ. It's, I can do all things through Christ right. who gives me strength. Wow. And would you change? You wouldn't change it, would you? No, I would not. I would not. And I have to... Oh, one last thing I have to say. Okay. I did go to a medical doctor one time to examine my eyes. Uh Uh-huh. After I did the high chart reading, the acuity, and it was still 2030. And I said, you know, I believe it's a miracle that I that I can see Mm -hmm. because people have prayed for my eyes, my vision. And this doctor said, Deborah, when medical doctors, when we look in your eyes... The retina in your eye with your little bit of straw sight mm-hmm. looks worse than the retina in your totally blind eye. We can't explain wow. why you can see anything at all except it's an answer to prayer. Wow. So I stand on that. Whatever yes. we ask, believing, we shall receive. That is and God awesome. has a plan and a purpose for each of us. He has a plan and a purpose for me to be going through life, seeing through a little bitty straw of sight, and how my life, the purpose of it, is not just about a gold medal at some mm-hmm. point. It's about glorifying the Lord oh. through my life and through this magnificent horse and my paradressage experiences. Thank you for listening to Deborah's story. We hope it has encouraged you to see life in a new way. To support Deborah's goals in equestrian sports, you can visit visionbeyondeyesight.org. Thank you for listening to this episode of Kaval the Podcast. We hope you enjoyed it and that you will subscribe, download, and share this on your social media pages and with your family and friends. If you find yourself in a desperate place, it is our desire that you would be able to borrow hope from those who've gone before you and shared their stories. They have exemplified the meaning of Kava, learning to wait during difficult times to find an eventual positive outcome. I can't express my gratitude for my head writer, Rebecca Gray, and audio engineer, Meredith Douglas. I would not be able to do this without you. For more information, please visit kavathepodcast.com. 
Thank you for listening and have a wonderful day.